the Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Diamondback Covers, the absolute best cover you could ever spend your money on. If you need an insurance policy for all the expensive gear on the back of your truck, then you need a Diamondback cover. Make the bed of your truck a vault with Diamondback. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want it? Hola, brethren. We are live. This is episode 119. This is our fourth try at getting this podcast going today. It has been an ordeal trying to figure out why we're having so much latency on the podcast, on the live stream, but we wired the connection and now we're doing great. If you guys knew how many wires are running across the floor right now, and this, you're not getting through this area running without falling. Um, we're we're getting closer on the studio. He's coming tomorrow to do some stuff. Then we're got to get do electrical. Then we got to finish it up. And then hopefully, I'm going to say in the next two months, I'm hoping we're going to be in there. Probably right in the middle of turkey season when nobody's here. But with that being said, um, for sure this summer we'll have some stuff in there, and uh, we'll get it going. But as you can tell. We've got a new face here. This is Chris Gerlich. I say that right. Gerlich, right? No. How do, how do I say it? Gerlach. Gerlach. Dang. That's close. Not even, not even close. close. Not even close. <laughs> um, okay. Same thing, only different. Gerlach. Gerlach. Looks like Gerlich to me. Yep. And everyone else too, so. Okay. Well. I'm used to it. I'm not wrong. <laughs> so, funny story, and I'll tell my version of the story, then I'll let Chris introduce himself. I've known Chris since you were, how old did we figure this out? I think it, 10 or 11. This is this is kind of, that shows my age. So I've known him since I he was. I haven't even heard this story. So since he was really little, um, his dad was really good friends with a guy that I've hunted in Oklahoma with for years and years. And I remember the guy's name is Lee Tickner. And uh, hunted with Lee for, I guess, since you were 10 or 12. And I remember Lee's like, hey, I got this. I got this. You guys just got to know Lee first. I was like, he's like, I got this boy. He's, he's like this video stuff. Now I'm going to bring him over here and introduce him to you. And I'm thinking, like, high school age kid, whatever, and then he brings Chris over there, and he's this big. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, little guy. And this is when I, like, literally first got into video. I didn't know what I was doing. I acted like I knew what I was doing, but I had no idea what I was doing. And uh, ended up, Lee filmed a hunt, and you killed a pretty good deer. We need to find that hunt, by the way. I have that somewhere. I've got the DVD. Oh, yeah, I've got the DVD Classic. somewhere. But I've got the videos on my Vimeo somewhere. We'll try and find it. We'll maybe post that in the uh, post that in the, uh, Instagram if I can find it. But uh, anyway, I met Chris then, and then he kind of took an interest in video. And now he is now doing freelance video work and website design and a lot of other stuff in the media space, as well as he is here with us for the next two weeks cataloging footage we've got a bunch of footage that we have to catalog and metadata or meta tag but uh i guess kind of give your version of events like well how did you get into this what kind of got you going oh gosh okay yeah so i mean you know kind of like you said I, I grew up um i grew up hunting primarily whitetail out there with my father and him and lee at the time we're trying to to the best of my knowledge put together somewhat of like an outfitting deal well nobody ever really knows what lee's doing but yeah well one for one reason or another they decided that they were going to film every single hunt that yeah that was out there so you couldn't kill anything if it was off camera so um i didn't know any better all i knew is that all of a sudden there were two stands in every tree 
and we were filming everything. Yeah. And Lee did it right back in the day. Like he was, yeah, it was legit. He was doing it right. Yeah. It was legit. And so what ended up happening was we had all of these, this just massive catalog of footage, but nothing to do with it because none of us knew how to edit. None of, I mean, we didn't, that's as much as we knew. Yeah. And I don't know the details, but one way or another, y'all got connected. And uh, I got, I met him through a friend of mine here in town named Chris Kyle, and I'm not sure how Chris met him. Gotcha. Gotcha. I assume it was not the American sniper. No, no, different, different Chris, different Chris <laughs> Kyle. No, it's a guy and guy from Delonica named same name Chris Kyle. Yeah, cool. So, um, anyways, long story short, I remember because I was always into hunting and stuff growing up, and um, but I remember one specific memory. We were out at the we were out at the cabin, and like, I don't know, I don't remember what hunt it was, but you showed me a video that you put together, and it was on your iPhone. And all I remember is there was like a series of clips over like a track. And text popped up at the end, and I was like, mind blown. <laughs> and I was like, so all this hunting stuff is cool, like shooting bows, and like that's cool. That's that's what I want to do. And immediately, like I was, so he was actually the one who got me into the whole idea of like wanting to edit. So like later that day, like when I got home, I bootlegged my first version of Sony Vegas. And oh yeah, it was a whole thing, man. And it was just. Downhill from there. Downhill from there. That's awesome. So. And you're just now recently getting into some hunting stuff. You know, I know we've sent some stuff to you from Southern Hoggers, and mm-hmm. you've done some stuff with uh, Waterfowl Outfit out there, Swamp yep. Nasty Outfitters in, in your area. Yep. So um, whenever I graduated high school, the last few years, I've, I've done a lot of um, video and, and communication stuff in, like, um, just kind of corporate world, I guess you could say. And then last March, decided I was going to, take the leap into uh outdoors production it's something i'd always wanted to do and just had never taken the steps to do it and i was like i'm gonna do it so very cool made the leap over and started building connections and here we are so here we are that's about how i feel here we are (laughs) um also for the the podcast today we did our favorite movies podcast which in my opinion clay and rye are useless for because they've never really seen anything but top gun and Clay's not seen anything. So we're going to do a kind of a different, we're going to do a little bit. I'm really just going to lie like that on I watched live that stream. list. What else have you seen? I watched All that list. Of stuff. No, you didn't. You lie. You didn't watch that. <laughs> you revealed that to me in the truck in a very, very private and confidence. Yeah, you, and thought I, you thought that I wasn't about to throw you under the bus, and I did. Hard. Yeah, because I was getting thrown under the I bus. I think you by threw me on the bus stuff. live. So these yeah. two guys have not seen anything. Like Ryer's seen true. three movies. Clay has seen half of a movie, and he fell asleep. I know for sure that Ryer has watched the Top Gun two trailer at oh. least, yeah, a thousand times. Yeah, in his bed at night alone. That's when <laughs> Ryer's watched that trailer. Yeah, I'm scared to come. I'm, <laughs> I'm scared to stay the night with him. And yeah, we'll don't play that in your room. Yeah, you're dangerous, Maverick. Yeah, <laughs> two a.m. in the morning. You're, you're dangerous. Get both of us killed. <laughs> oh God. Anyway. So we figured we'd do a podcast. I've watched some stuff recently and seen some films and series recently that have kind of given me ideas. And I'm the quote unquote, like idea guy. Like I like, I have lots of ideas. Some of them really, really suck. I feel like some of them are really good. And some of them are like, eh, could go either way. But that's, and that's kind of how I get, and I guess this is kind of almost go back into our inspiration podcast of like where we get creativity and where we get inspiration. But 
I wanted to kind of talk, since we've got all four of us here, we can kind of roundtable it, um, some things that we have watched recently, and they can be hunting, they can be non-hunting, they can be fiction, non-fiction, I don't care. But essentially I want to talk about some things that have, you've seen recently that have impacted you in some way, shape, or form. And I don't want to go first. I want somebody else to go first. Who's got a good... Don't everybody talk at once. I'll go. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um, so I watch a lot of YouTube. I don't have cable. I don't have Netflix. I you don't, don't have, have a couch, but keep Yeah, going. I don't yep. have a couch or a TV. Um, so I find myself watching, if it's not on YouTube, I usually, usually don't watch it. Um, and I'm not into Last Chance You like mm-hmm. Ryer is, but I'm into the behind the scenes. Of yeah, last yeah, chance yeah. you. Um, there's a gentleman that's a director of photography and a whole bunch of stuff, Shane Hurlbut. He was the d- director of photography on like Iron Man, Fast and Furious, We Are Marshall. The safety. 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 Yep. The new Disney movie that's out or whatever. Apparently does but, a lot um, of football movies. Yeah. But he um, does a whole like behind the scenes series on YouTube of like from how he directed and set up different scenes from those movies. And he'll do it like a Monday or Tuesday. He'll post a video on how the expensive, fancy Hollywood way of doing it is. And then he'll do it in the same exact scene two or three days later, but as cheap as you can possibly do it. Yeah. So I, I like a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. Um, I like the Yeti films. I know they haven't done some in a while. But um, I haven't seen them if they have. I like I like the Yeti films. Whatever happened to those? I don't I know. They quit doing them. Dad Sloan, what's they, going on? They there? were they were really good. Um, like the one uh, Sam. It's about a duck dog. I don't duck hunt, but it was a really good one. Um, there was one about I don't know. I just it's hard because now that I make hunting content, it's hard for me to watch hunting content. Cause yeah. I know it's all, I mean, I don't want to say fake, but I know how they did everything, so there's no, like, there's, there's, no, there's no surprising me. Yeah. I know something's going to die. I know what shots were recreated and which weren't. So I I like watching a lot of behind-the-scenes type stuff. Yeah, I do, too. I, I get I go down rabbit holes with that kind of stuff. So what about that, sh- the what was the guy's name? Shane Hurlbut. Shane Hurlbut. So what what was your kind of takeaway? He's like, was that, in, was it, is that trying to, inspire you to do different stuff was it like what was the, well, what was he, the he almost shows like his redneck tech version of how he would do it so like yeah. he works on hollywood movies where he's got millions of dollars of budget so he can go out and buy a eighty thousand dollar lighting setup and do it and that he shows you how to do it like that and then he also shows you he lit an inside scene with zero lights and all he had was three mirrors and the sun. And the sun. And like, that's pretty redneck. Mm-hmm. So it almost applies to how we would have to do something if we had to do that. Yeah. Not having those giant lights that are the yeah. size of a basketball hoop. Yeah. And we had the sun and some shade to work with. Which we got a big light back there. I mean, it's as big as a basketball hoop. <laughs> <laughs> it's a TikTok ring light. Yeah. No. But it's, it's a little g- nicer than a TikTok ring light. He, come on, man. he almost does the same things that we do. Where he takes Hollywood and downscales it to something that someone doing it independently could, yeah, could do, and then we take it from a a bigger size production and to someone smaller than us how they could do it. Um, so it's kind of like two levels of that. So I like that. I've learned a lot of lighting. I actually got interested in the all that lighting stuff 
from Aaron when we were doing the Hunt Masters because Aaron is big in the lighting. Mm-hmm. And then I started, I used to skip over all the Shane Hurlbut lighting stuff, but he does lighting, he does framing. They go into all of his past movies and talk about like why he chose a certain aspect ratio for that film, um, color science for that film, lens choice for that film, and like how it all sets the mood and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not stuff that we usually get to pick. I mean, because I watched a breakdown that he did on Joker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Super yeah. in depth, and we would. I ever don't get... see. But here's my thing: like, I watched the, I watched a couple of those. It's probably about the same time you watched them. And the reason I probably watched them because they were, I don't know, somehow targeted towards yeah. me because you subconsciously thought about it, and Google was reading your mind. <laughs> but anyway, I, I watched those things, and I like really like, like learning from those. But that kind of production, I have no desire to be on one of those. And well, that we would never have the time to do it. We'd never get the budget no, to do budget, it. Budget, time, yeah, either one of those things. But like, or the gear. I look at that and I see like there's 15 people on set. There's two guys per light. I'm like, I can't get two guys with cameras, much less two guys on light. <laughs> they got three guys per camera. Yeah, they got a guy running it, a guy pulling doing focus. focus, and a guy monitoring it. Yeah, honestly, that's it. Like. That seems like a lot of people around one camera. Like, that's way too close to be around. Yeah. <laughs> like, standing all around, all operating the same yeah. camera. But well, at the same time, how nice would it be to only have to worry about if it's in frame? Yeah. And not have to worry about racking yeah. focus. And you know what I've noticed on a lot of those, like, movie set type stuff is how they pan and tilt is with the wheels. Mm-hmm. They don't do it with handheld. I can't remember what that thing's called. We rented one of those one time. Uh, whatever that thing that you sit on that's got mm-hmm. the wheels and the track it's like stupid 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 expensive um, i don't even know if i could do that that would be too much yeah I'd... it's actually not that hard no no it's pretty intuitive um but that's how we used to shoot lee and tiff's interviews was on a dolly track with one of those is it semi the semi-circle dolly track mm-hmm. that was no. yeah we shoot them in that old barn um out there in iowa I don't, they don't do it that way anymore but yeah it was always a huge pain to set up the track, get it level, put that thing on there, sit down, which we used to do it with that, whatever that little deal is called, and then we just got a, it's literally a platform that slid, mm-hmm. and you sit on it, and somebody's running the tripod, and they just track and follow as they're, so you got one guy pushing, one guy sitting on the tripod, or sitting on the thing, and I was always the pusher <laughs> when I got to go. Why? I just would push the track, like, just really Did you volunteer push. for the pushing, or did no, were they I just only, like? No, I think I only did it, like, once or twice um, because we always ended up doing it. We'd always shoot interviews and we'd go up there for their turkey hunts and we'd always try and knock out as many shows as we could when we were there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was in between, like, whoever had killed out, those were the guys that had to go and do interviews. So everybody's like, yeah, I kind of want to make my hunt last a little bit longer, <laughs> you know, because I don't have to go actually work and just go turkey hunt. But uh, And here's Caleb, Drew, Blue, Southern. Like, I'm yeah. killing the first turkey <laughs> yeah. I see. Oh, no, yeah, well, <laughs> it was always – it was I was on Team Lee, so we always just crushed everybody, so it wasn't even fair. But um, <laughs> I, hope they, I hope they listen to this because that really makes Tiffany mad. She's still mad about it. But anyway, um, so, Ryer, what's something you've seen recently that kind of hit home? Inspire, idea – I would say I would say something that hit home in a the most practical sense is uh, Last Chance You. Um, I know I probably I keep mentioning it, and I honestly haven't watched an episode here in probably in a month or so. But you didn't watch any of those things I sent you for you to watch. Which ones are those? 
we tech, we had a text conversation about this, and I sent you some things to watch, I'm pretty sure. You have to remind me. <laughs> well, they're my examples, so I don't want to ruin my examples. Oh. All the I things. still don't remember. <laughs> Continue. My ADHD lately has been pretty out Let's of see control. See if I can find the text. And I've I've had so many like different or we might inputs. have talked we might have talked on the phone. I don't remember. Yeah, I have so many inputs into my brain right now that it's it's I'm having a hard time like remembering things like that, but I'm sure once you remind me I'll remember it. But uh um basically last chance you for me was a look into basically doing a very high budget very personal docu series mm-hmm. and um i'm i'm a big fan of docu series and especially after working on on blue stem i really fell in love with that type of production and that process and so i'm always looking at how how people take and do really high production quality stuff in more or less uncontrollable environments. And last chance you is a really, really good example of just taking a concept and really having this, this series that has a big, huge top down level look at what you think is going to be about a football team. You think it's going to be about a school and about a football team, but it ends up being about all of these individuals and some really, really cool stories um, and a look into the lives of, of these guys who are trying to make it usually out of some undesirable life situations into a, a college. I mean, they're not even looking at trying to get into the NFL. I mean, a lot yeah. of them obviously are probably have goals of that. But for them, it's like, hey, I just want to get D1. I yeah. just want a school to pick me up and pay for school. Like, I just want to play ball for a D1 school or whatever it is. And so, basically, you've got this crew of guys who's embedded with a a community college football program. and th- And their job is to tell the stories of that program of the coach of that program and follow the stories and the lives and the emotions of these individuals over the course of an entire season. And so the, I, I, it's just so cool how they are able to do all of those things and maintain a, a level of production value that's incredibly high. Yeah. And, and they're, I I just was in the simplicity of it is I think what really um, struck me because how many cameras you think you're shooting that? I mean, there's a decent amount of camera. The when I was watching some breakdowns or reading some articles on how they shot it on game days because usually every episode culminates in that week's game, um, and every episode is framed like it's from the start of the practice week up until that game, maybe a little bit after. Uh, now, I don't know if they're super true to that timeline-wise as far as all of the personal stuff that surrounds that. Because with every episode, they have a game, but they almost focus in on one of the players. Yeah, well, I was going to say one or two of them for sure. One or two of them per episode and really like 
dive into that individual story and they go and interview people who are related to that individual. They follow them around the school. They follow them at practice. And so I don't know how much of that maybe they pull from like other parts of the season, but they yeah. do it really well. So you'd never tell. Yeah. Um, what was the question? <laughs> how many cameras? Okay. So what I was reading was that, yeah, I go on rabbit trails all the time. Sorry guys. Is that they, they, at practices, they would have a couple of camera guys and they said, and something that kind of struck me is their cameramen operate a lot like we do in the field. So usually on, I guess, a, a documentary production, you've got a camera guy and you've got a producer and maybe a sound person. And the camera guy is really trying to capture the what the producer is being like, hey, get a shot of this, do this, do this, do this. And on this, they said that in order for the cameras to have access to these guys in their dorms, in the class, in all their meetings, at home, going wherever they go, in their car. Like, they just couldn't have a crew like that follow yeah. these guys. So the the camera guys were really field producers. Yeah. They're doing kind of the same thing that we do. It's them, the camera, their subject, and their job is to capture that individual and try to capture their story and tell their story and get the pieces they need to really make an impactful story. To me, the coolest part of that, and I think we talked about this and we might have talked about this on other podcasts, is how they made the conscious choice to choose a wide lens or Mm -hmm. a wide or shorter lens. Yeah. That way they actually had to physically be close to everybody. Yeah. And uh, I I love that aspect of it. I just like the the back-end thinking on that. I watched the Joker, you know, the breakdown on Joker of, like how they shot, and I didn't notice it subconsciously. I guess I did how they shot Joker. You know, in the beginning of the movie, they shot him with way too much headroom a lot of times, and made him feel small. And then as the, as he progresses into himself, they go from wider to medium to tighter to tighter to where, at the end of the movie, when he's found himself and he's confident, and he he's like perfectly framed, walking high speed center frame, like he's center of attention. He's you know, and it was that was really cool to me to be able to break that to to subconsciously see that. And uh, that's the stuff that I like. Yeah. That like most people that watch our stuff or anybody else's stuff won't get. Yeah, but you don't like watching movies. How do you like that stuff if you don't like watching movies? Because I find myself doing what you just talked about, breaking that stuff down in the movie versus actually enjoying it. Yeah, but I enjoy the movie by breaking it down. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. (laughs) All right, Chris, Mm. your turn. Wait, I had more. Oh. (laughs) Sorry. Anyways, all that was to say that with your camera question is they would have probably a couple cameras covering practice and then they'd run around with the guys. But on game days, they had a few extra staged around the stadium. Mm-hmm. So game days were a big, huge production. Yeah. Um, game but, day, the, the one that I watched game day, they said specifically one in each end zone mm-hmm. on the field. One, they had a roaming guy on the sideline. They had two, my, the one that I said said they always had two guys on the sideline. And, one and then guy they the had stands, one right? guy in the stands, but they said the two guys on the sideline, they kind of did it how you guys did blue stem. Each guy was in charge of getting something separate. That way they didn't have the same thing. The same thing. Yeah. Like whichever player was mic'd up or whatever. We're such geniuses. Whichever player was mic'd up, they had one guy on that mic'd up person the entire time. Yeah. And then the other person. Well, see, and it goes back to like you were just talking about, like the stuff that nobody gets. Like think, think about all the, and I know we've, beat blue stem to death but 
think about all the planning and all the subconscious stuff that we tried to put into Blue Stem that 98% of people didn't notice. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's, there's breaks my heart a little bit. Just breaks bit. my heart. Well, just think about Almost how many people cry. watch Joker that they'll never know. Never know. They're just like, oh, that was a cool that movie. That was a real good movie, man. Mm-hmm. That was maybe, solid. Maybe. I didn't like it as good as, uh, I didn't like it as good as Talladega Night, so. <laughs> well, Furl's funny. NASCAR. NASCAR. So, I wanted, I looked up the article that I sent to you just so I could read about the lens choice. Yeah. Because I think it's interesting. So, this is a direct quote. It's from a Premium Beat article. Um, just, you guys can look it up. Premium Beat slash blog slash interview dash last dash chance, Jesse, whatever. So, this guy says, for my camera, we decided to shoot with only a Cook Pantro 18 millimeter prime for all the games, sideline coverages, and a lot of practices. It was a bold choice in a sense. If you need a close up of that person, the only way for me to get that is to get right up close to them, to be completely involved. That wide focal length in documentary is rare because it's safer for the operator to be further away on a zoom lens. It was very important for us to create some rules and say, quote, We're going to stick to our wide lens and we're going right in next to them and we're going to get the camera involved with these people and this world. End quote. Greg being confident upholding these kind of bold choices helps make something unique and beautiful. We used a Fuji 19 to 90 lens for game cameras and our long shots. Uh, we had operators on a Fuji Premier 75 to 400 millimeter with doublers to get as comfortably tight as we legally could in a game without losing too much light. Legally? Well, like they can't be on the field. Oh. You know? Okay. But basically, well, I think. Legalities would they? I think it's whatever. cool to see that. Personally, because... So it's an 18 millimeter prime? 18 millimeter Dang, that's prime. that's than I thought it would be. Yeah, and I think... They're probably shooting on... What are they shooting on, though? FX6s. Really? What are they shooting on FX6s? Some FX6s. It says here in this particular article... Um, 4K, though, so it said our main camera was the Sony F55, and then we used the Sony FS7 for tight locations, and uh, even an A7S for some emergencies. Hmm. Um, I'm sure there was a lot of 4K, so that 18 is not really... Oh, well, yeah, they're also right. using yeah. a raw recorder yeah, and all that. So um, it's cropped down. So I guess the one more thing that I got from that series, and this was your guys' mistake for allowing me to talk about these things, <laughs> because you know what would happen, um, is the location shots. And yeah. that's something that I physically brought to the shoots after I watched this series. And I think for two reasons, because... I'd always kind of known, hey, you got to get location shots. But, like, I would just do a drone or it would have to be, like, this big, beautiful shot, right? Mm -hmm. And I started looking at kind of the location shots they were using. And, I mean, they were just locked down, wide stills of locations. And you look at them, and there's really not a lot special. It, It doesn't jump off the screen as, like, this beautiful location it's not image. a game there's of thrones no, like, it's not a game of thrones establishing shot yeah there's not like movement it's not from a helicopter it's it's just a shot of like of what you would see yeah. if you stood in the parking lot and looked at that building yeah and then they would get a couple of other shots and and to me i just looked at all those and you go well together they're really not very special mm-hmm. like there's they seem very average but the simplicity of them and their ability to bring you into that environment like you're there, right? It's not like some big, huge art statement. It's this is where you're at. Here's a couple things to really cement that idea, to cement the feeling of this place in your head. 
boom, now we're in here. Mm-hmm. And and it's it was just so simple. And so I started taking that and trying to make sure that when I'm on location, I get shots like that, you know, that do that job. And they don't have to be this big, huge production, but in it, it, they are beautiful in their simplicity. Mm-hmm. And they allow you to get your viewer into somewhere both visually and emotionally. And I think that it, they do a really good job of that. Yeah. Mm. What were you going to say, Chris? Um, so uh, that made me think of like, it, not not to bring up like two football shows, you know, coincidentally, but like, so Friday Night Lights, mm-hmm. that I remember watching it even before I was like really heavy into trying to learn cinematography. And it intrigued me because in the same way, it wasn't like big flashy, like establishing shots or anything like that. Like it'd be like a legit, because it was set in like West Texas. Yeah. And so you get like, which if you've ever driven through small towns in West Texas, like there's definitely a vibe. It's like, no no offense, West Texan town, but it's like ran down, Mm -hmm. like dusty kind of cracked up parking lots. And like, anyways, so you just sun beaten. The whole place is sun beaten. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you watch the show and you're like, so kind of in the same thing, it's like, this isn't like if you said go out and collect a series of like of powerful shots, these aren't the shots that would come to your mind. But in the context of what you're shooting, mm-hmm. it's like actually extremely powerful. Yeah. To your point. It's like, well, so the shots that as much as we want to go out and grab these like stunning shots, like landscapes and things of that nature, how much more powerful is it when you actually grab the shots that serve the story? Mm-hmm. In the context of the story, rather than just something that's like really beautiful, they're more emotionally powerful than they are visually powerful. Right, and and that's what and and so on the, on that note, you mentioned something earlier about like first on the Blue Stem project, but also you like referenced the Joker that nobody will ever notice how they went from wide frame in the beginning of the movie to like tight at the, at the end of it, and it's like well, no, the majority of cinematographers or non cinematographers will never notice that. But because of those shots that nobody will ever like consciously notice, it gave them a feeling mm-hmm. that impacted how they felt during it at the end of the movie, which made them think of the movie as like good, you know, like the movie yeah. impacted them. So it's like directly those shots don't impact pe- people, but if they hadn't have put the effort into shooting it that way and doing the things that most people will never like straight up notice, then it wouldn't have been the film that impacted people the way that it did. So they, it's like a double-edged sword. They did it so seamlessly that people don't notice, but you feel like you don't yep. understand why you feel different. You just know you yep. feel different. Yeah. And I think well, that I've also goes back to like our editing conversation that yeah. we had the other day. I mean, sometimes, a lot of the times in a very solid piece, the editing is nearly invisible to most people. Yeah, it should you, be. You, d- you don't know that, like, did it get edited? Most people don't even know. Yeah, and that's the point, and I think that a really solid piece affects an audience. But the only without way without them knowing that it affected but, them. But the only way an edit can look like that is if it was shot extremely well. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I don't care. You can get the best editor that's ever walked this earth and hand him crap footage, and you're going to get a crap product. Mm-hmm. You know, it just doesn't matter how good the editor is. You know, a good editor can take great footage and make it better. You know, but. It, he has to start with great footage. Yeah. You know, so, but um, I guess I'll go into mine and I'll let Chris go last because I was, I was li- listening to 
what you guys said so far, and I guess I like where you guys went with your answers to like what's watched, you know, what's expired you, inspired you or whatever, because I think mine, my whole thing went completely different than y'all's. I think I know where you're going with this, but I want to see. Okay, well, tell me what nope, you – go ahead. Uh, okay. Because I'll be honest if it's not where I think. Um, so I watched – I have no idea where this What is just going? happened? Uh-oh. I think our thing just died. I think our live stream just died. Did the batteries die? Mm-mm, it was full when I turned it on. Mm. Is it not plugged in? It's Do plugged it. in. Well, you keep going. I'll check. Um, so, anyway, I uh, I watched a couple movies and, and Netflix series and stuff over the last couple months that completely, they broke a lot of rules for everything I've ever really watched before. Um, the first one was called The Dig. Do you remember me sending you oh, that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, now I do. Did mm-hmm. you watch that? I, no. <laughs> Is it, it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. We'll so We will watch it. Since so, I don't even do really now. know. I don't even really know how to explain The Dig. Would you but, like me to look up a plot? Well, <laughs> it's not that. It's not that. I, I can't explain how it was on the cinematography side and the storytelling side. I know what it's about. It's about an ancient ship that they recovered in England. On the eve of World War II, a British widow hires a self-taught archaeologist to dig up mysterious formations on her land, leading to a staggering find. Yeah, so there you go. that's that's the plot. Um, I, virtually, they found an old ship in, in England. But the way... It's super hard to explain, but I want to watch it again just because... Um, it, I didn't fully grasp it the first time. The storyline's not out of this world different, but so the best way I can explain it, and you're you're gonna have to watch it in order to be able to really grasp um, the breadth and depth of how different it was. But so think about it this way: so you're watching a movie, or you're watching a scene, and there are two people carrying on a conversation. Usually, when two people are carrying on a conversation, especially in what we do. The only relevant footage is about what they're talking about or them themselves. So like me, like you could get shots of my hands moving or tights of my boots or you could do things like that, but they're relevant to the scene. Well, in this movie, they'd be in the middle of a dialogue and the story would continue past their dialogue and they'd still be talking. And the story has already moved on. And it was like, I'd sit there and watch it and be like, hold on, is my... did?" It, I watched it thinking that the edit was wrong, like that they exported the wrong version of the movie, thinking that, hold on, something is really wrong here. It was hard for you to continue to follow the dialogue because the story either went too long over the dialogue or the dialogue went too long under the story. And I can't even explain it, but it's I've never seen a piece done like it before, and it really made me kind of step back and it's like, okay, how can I break rules in editing that would be relevant to what I'm doing? Because in my notes for this, for this podcast, I'm like, how many times can we watch a deer get shot with a bow? Mm. And how many different ways can we do that? And there's really not very many different ways we can do it. Shane Hurlbut did one of those breakdowns on how he broke like that 180 degree rule during like an action scene. Mm-hmm. 
that I, I sent Ryer because I knew he would like it. That would be interesting. Yeah, like a guy running down you running down the street, and you're supposed to keep him like on mm-hmm. the same third or facing the same way yeah. or whatever, and like to add that more chaotic type feel you. to it. Yeah, the one the one eighty. So I just learned this. Like I didn't. I it made sense to me, but hey, just, we're back. There you go. I just learned the term. Like a couple months ago, I didn't know that there was like a rule for it. Mm-hmm. But like, so the 180 degree rule is that anytime that you switch camera angles, you should do it. Is it, and we're talking about the same thing? Yeah. Well, then 180 degree for right. plane. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's like, but there's, there's, there's certain rules that are broken all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like generally the only time you set aside center frame is for news. Yep. You know, most of the time, the only time you see somebody center frame is on the news. That, or if you want them to feel alone, you yeah. can do it that too. Yeah, or you can face them outside the frame, looking into the side of the frame instead of into the open part of the frame. Yep. Like, there's lots of unwritten rules. Hey, what was wrong with it? What was wrong? There was, I think, somehow the weight of one of the cords uh-huh. pulled one of the connections off the table and it just got dislodged just a tiny bit. So I just had to run through all the connections and oh. loosen and tighten them until I okay. found it. There we go. We're back. Uh, everybody we're back, Travis. Sorry. Um, anyway, also, if you guys are watching live, um, want to hear about your favorite stuff too. So put it in there. So the dig was one that I, I suggest you go watch in terms of shot extremely well. I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix really 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 well done the other one and i don't want to give away too much because this piece that i watched and the this name is called the midnight sky overall visually was great um not a huge fan of the film but it's on netflix but that that series or that movie gave us gave me an idea that i literally called who did i call you me called ryer going down the road and I was like, I have a film idea, and we're going to do it. We've already set it in motion um, that we're going to do this spring. But it's going to be really cool, really simple, and uh, it's going to be really different from other hunting films because you guys know how I feel about hunting films. Uh, I think they all suck for the most part. I mean, they're they're pretty, but they're not films. They're glorified web episodes. They're not films. So we're going to try and make a true blue short film that is – worthy of the name film. That's what we're going to try and do. If it's not worthy of the name film when we're done, I'll be the first to tell you that. Was I, Did I say what you thought I was going to say? No. Okay, good. What do you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to dive into the... Um, um, like suits and all that stuff that you like to watch. Um, we can. Because he liked... New, was it Suits that you liked? What was the one that I've me and you... I've never seen Suits. What was the one that me and you liked uh, that we were talking about the other day? Like FBI shows? White Collar? White Collar. Yeah. I hadn't seen White Collar in a while. But I, I like thought you were going to dive into Suits and Yellowstone because you always talk about the different character developments throughout Yellowstone oh, inside well, of about the story. So yeah, that, go ahead. That's all I know about it. I've never watched it. Yeah. Yellowstone? Yeah. So, Man, you're missing out. I just know what you rave about. So. Oh, it's so freaking good. Everything about it is good. But it, more than anything, like, if we talk about character development, everything we talk about, you know, in terms of hunting and what we get to do, we don't get to develop characters. And if it is, it's not a person, it's an animal. Yeah. And, and, and then we're just scratching the surface. We can only, you know, what we observe 
There's no emotional. You know, and you can't really form it because if you do, then it's it's not them. It's like really, exactly. you know? yeah, and really the only way you can develop a character is if you're with them in every aspect of what they do. And generally, when we're doing a hunting show, we're hunting. You know, we don't get to do. We're doing something that involves the act of hunting, whether that's food plots or hanging stands or actually the act of hunting or maybe even a little bit of the training and shooting. But in terms of developing a whole character, um, I would love to do that. You know, that, and you can do things that are documentary style where, you know, they're very interview driven. But in order to do a film, I think it has to be a character, a.k.a. an actor or uh, somebody playing a role. And to me, that's that's what's lacking in hunting films. They're not films. They're, like I said, glorified web episodes um, that all look the same for the most part. There's a couple that stand out as not looking the same, but for, okay. the, most, for the most part, they do. And that's why we've never done one because I've never had, in my, you know, in my opinion, the opportunity, the time, or the budget to do what I would consider a film until now. So we're going to try and knock on wood, get to do it. Um, but there was another piece. Do you remember what the other thing that I sent you? There was two different things I sent you. The dig and something else. Oh. Just now? No. The other, sent me the so the other, the other one, the other one uh, that I watched recently was A Gentleman and a Madman. Oh, yeah. And uh, set, and it was set in like the 17 or 1800s. But it was just literally couldn't find anything to watch. And it was about the creation of the first um, dictionary, the first, uh, what was the? The Oxford English Oxford English Dictionary. So they, it was essentially telling the story of how that dictionary got started and how they developed it. And it took like 70-something years to do. But um, in terms of that one, like character development is good. Acting is incredible. Cinematography is awesome. But uh, there's one more that I wanted to talk about. I can't remember what it was. I'll throw in another one. The I dig was the main one. Go ahead. It was 1911. That whole 1917. 1917 movie. Yeah. I thought the movie. Oh, I thought the movie. In my opinion wasn't as great as what people raved it to be. Mm-hmm. But like that's the one shot one, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I watched, agree. I watched the 45 minute behind the scenes of it. Mm-hmm. Thought that was I was more that was more impressive. <laughs> than yeah, the movie. more impressive than the movie. I don't think. I mean, the storyline in the movie was good. Mm-hmm. But oh, you, when dude gets killed, like his buddy gets killed right there at the beginning, I'm yeah. like. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you not seen it? Oh, yeah, I saw it. Yeah. Oh, I thought you yeah. looked at me like I was, like, hashtag spoilers. <laughs> My thing with that movie. It's like, you're like, what? Somebody gets what? <laughs> it could have been a way better war movie if they weren't focused on making it a one-shot movie. Yeah, that's like talking well, about Game of Thrones yeah. season as it's doing. It's like, no, no, no. To me, that movie was weird because, like, one, it was incredibly predictable. Like, I knew what was going on. I knew what was about well, to happen. almost all movies, you know what's going to happen. Yeah, but that one was like... That's why I'm so excited was, about our, our film, because you don't know. That one, but <laughs> that movie, like, I knew. I knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And I wasn't... Like, you know how in a lot of movies, you have a little bit of doubt whether or not the character is going to achieve what, what it is they're trying to achieve, right? Or, like, it, it is this go guy going to die? Yeah. Like, in a good war movie... I should not be able to know whether or not that character is going to die. I should be fearing for that character's life, right? That one wasn't scared a bit. As soon as they killed his friend, 
I knew he was going to make it through the whole movie. Yeah. Because well, what else would he do? Maybe, yeah. well, that if he gets killed, he then what's the camera guy do? He's like, oh, what do I do now, guys? Well, yeah, what else is because it's, himself? All right, guys, we're here. That yeah. and it's historically accurate. So if you do any yeah. research about it and you know the story behind it, you know he gets there. So, Which is fine. I mean, I watch a lot of things. Like, right. you already know that. Right. So the Titanic. other thing with, with... Here's the thing. Here's the other qu- thing with question. me. Hold on. The other thing with me is... <laughs> You'll forget. You won't. I know. <laughs> Go ahead. The other thing is it felt too coincidental. There was so many... And it has to because it's a one shot. So I know, like, it just felt coincidental. There were so many things that happened. I was like, come on. Really? I'm just thinking it's of that. It's perfect. It's literally perfect. Middle of that nowhere. That it happened right here? Yeah. No. I'm literally thinking the whole time, knowing it's a one shot going in, thinking of that guy running that steady cam, praying to God, <laughs> the actor doesn't screw up because he's got to start all over. <laughs> it's again. not actually a one shot. I, I know, but oh, for yeah. the, it would have like twelve minute sequences. Whatever, yeah, yeah but twelve minute sequence to yeah. start all over again. Yeah, God Almighty! And I was watching like right, everybody get back in position. We're doing it again. He said there were days they'd go and get set up and build everything, and then the lighting wouldn't match, and like they just wouldn't do anything at all that day. Or they would have they would have enough explosive setups to do the shot one time, and then if it was messed up, it would take like a whole entire day to relay everything to do it. I need to watch some of that behind. I'd the like scenes, to so. know what the mat the it's like a forty five minute behind the scenes. I want to know what that budget was though. Was the, the, there's light ways to there's ways to look at it, look it up. There's lots of places you can look up budgets for films and stuff. I'm but I think if you just Google it, I think it gives, doesn't give you I mean, most films the budget. Most of the time, yeah. I'd like yeah. to know just because of how many like wasted days there were, knowing that yeah. going into that type of style, you're gonna have wasted days. I'd like to know what. I'm sure one of you two will find it. Um. So, Chris, what was your what was your deal? Oh gosh, I can't even actually remember what the question was. Give it to me one more time. What was, was what's something you watched recently that inspired you? Something I watched recently. That or that impacted you in some way. Mm. Okay. Um, gosh, I actually haven't watched anything in so long. Um, you haven't watched anything in so no, long? No, man, I haven't. I've. Um, so I'll say this. I'm, I'm going to take, take it like a turn, or like a weird turn. So I'm not much for like... Heck yes. I'm not... I'm weird not, turns like a... I have, to, I have a question for you. Don't let me forget at the end. Well, so... Because everybody's talking about, like, uh, films and, and documentaries and things like that. So, I'm going to take, like, a weird a weird angle at this. So, I don't watch many YouTubers I don't, or personalities. I don't really keep up with them. Me either. Um, so only, Ra- only Clay does that. <laughs> that's, not, that's not true, Clay. I'll come to your defense. I watch all the nerdy film reviews and, like, psychological breakdowns of film techniques. But you have you seen the films? Yeah. Go ahead. Mm. So, have you seen the films? <laughs> Just because I didn't watch your select ten films that you like, you've never seen a good movie in your life. Whatever. Go ahead. We won't oh, do gosh. this now. Anyways, um, yeah. So I was looking through different like gear stuff on YouTube because I've recently like been trying to figure out. I'm ready. I was ready to upgrade gear. I thought it was trying to figure out like exactly what I wanted to get. So of course I go through like a rabbit hole of videos reviewing different gear and things that I'm looking at. And I land on this guy's YouTube channel um, called Daniel Schiffer, who's apparently a really big YouTuber. Anyways, so it's this guy who, he's a freelance videographer, or I think he's a freelancer. He has his own small production company. And he shoots, um, he shoots bits for like huge brands like Monster Energy Drink and he shot some like a bunch of cereal brands and stuff like that. He's doing commercial work for really, really big brands. Mm -hmm. And he's He's really successful at it. I guess these people are just building in time to do these things and they're like, when do these people have time to do these things? 
and he shoots everything. And I was watching all of his all of his commercials, and I was like, these are phenomenal. Like, what is he shooting on? And he's shooting everything in his house with like an Aperture 120D and an A7 III. And it was stuff that like he's getting. I mean, he's getting hired by these massive, massive Fortune 500 companies to shoot to shoot clips for. And I'm like, it was a real gut punch for me because I'm like, here I am thinking that I need to like drop six grand on a new camera body and, you know, 15 grand on lenses or whatever, you know. Just in, in I other, would other, venture to guess he's not shooting everything on that. Pretty much everything. Because he also goes back in and shows, um, he does kind of like behind the scenes and tutorials showing how he shot that stuff. And that's kind of how he, he's he's like gotten big on YouTube is because he's like a, I guess an educator showing people how to make videos. I guess kind of how like Peter McKinnon is, mm-hmm. but um, just like a little bit different niche. But no, he he'll go back and like he'll actually do behind the scenes of him shooting all of this stuff and like shows him setting up the aquarium with like all the the stuff in it and like the, how he sh- lights it and sets up the camera and like actually drops the stuff in it and oh like stuff like that. Oh okay, yeah, you can shoot all that on a seven three. Yeah. So anyways, he's it's it's all like product. It's all like product video and. Um, Anyways, the the gut punch for me was like I'm, you know, the classic like is it the gear or is it the is it the person? Oh, I can yeah, it's definitely the person. And that was my thing is like you know because I'm I'm like I get in my own little bubble. I work with myself all the time, and I don't I'm not around other videographers very much at all. So um, and the area that I'm at isn't very saturated, which I don't know like it's not like it's not very saturated with other videographers. So it there's isn't not a here lot of, either. There's not a lot of collaboration. So you They're find in this yourself room. exactly. <laughs> So you find yourself sealed off. And anyways, so so watching stuff like that, it's like it's like a wake up. It's like you really don't need as much as what you think you do. What you need to do is actually like get out and make videos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And get experience and learn. Oh, and 100%. So it's like, oh, there's the, there's nothing that will be a better teacher than going out and just doing it and mm-hmm. screwing up and being like, why did that suck? And then yeah. trying it again, trying it again, trying it again for sure. Yeah. You haven't seen Free Solo? No, not yet. I know I need to. The rock climbing? Yeah. Yeah. Holy crap. I was about to watch it on the plane, but I Dude, was like, I didn't want so to be able to pay attention to it. He lives. You know he lives. You're still scared That's the whole freaking time. I, I caught myself sweating watching it. Dude, like, I with, had like, sweat, legitimately sweating. sweaty palms the entire thing. Hmm. Like so heart racing, sweaty palms, this guy. Needs a wheelbarrow for his brass balls of what he's doing. <laughs> they felt like the video, the videographer, or cameraman, whatever. He you can't. Call he him. wouldn't Jimmy watch. Chin. No, it was the assistant guy. Couldn't watch. They're like, I can't watch this. They literally set their camera up, locked it down, and turned away. Like I can't watch. But really? They, but they had to like climb with him. Yeah. Like they're like, if you're the guy climbing, he's. Well, like I've right seen here. all the behind the scenes stuff, Dude, and I heard him talking about. You go home I heard Jimmy tonight Chin. and watch Free Solo. Yes, I, we have a list of things yeah. that we need to watch. Oh, I've given, I've I mean, given both of them a list. Neither one of them listened. I've heard, yeah, with all this free time that I have, Caleb. Mm. So it looks. What like do you have to say about this? Most of the money shots. I've got on, a question for you still on Google are like drone shots, and my thing is like it must be hard enough to climb these mountains free solo. Anyways, I just can't imagine like. Well, they said the they. I I remember specifically them talking about how much planning they did and how they selected people to do this, because and this is part of one of the things that has listen, what reading, listening, watching to these guys talk about the type of individuals that they use to film this stuff, kind of made me want to like go out and get my scuba diving certification, make me go get my skydiving certification, do all these things. Because Hold of on, say certification again. I know. 
certification. Yeah. Did you say certification? I that's did. how I say it too. Wow. Yeah. Right. It's just a little that. bit easier. Maybe it's a wow. maybe it's like a Western thing. Yeah. No, it's not. Um, Go ahead. It's a Colorado thing. But like, basically, they're saying they first of all they almost turned down the project because they're like we don't know if we want to film this yeah, because of the nature of it. I'd love to know the budget for it. Um, and then finally. Jimmy Chin was like, okay, we'll do it. And if you guys don't follow Jimmy Chin on Instagram, do it. You've probably seen, you don't, we're not going to talk about your Instagram habits. Um, any of his habits, any of his habits. Yeah. Like getting up early and coming I mean, I mean, we're not going to mention the fact that we invited him to come to Waffle House this morning and he just straight up refused. I was nose deep and trying to get an edit out for a client. Thank you. Oh, come on. I was. I was sitting right there editing. Well, you could have hit command save and game and went with us. That's I literally the best thing you could hear as a boss. Like, I didn't want to go to Waffle House. I was editing. Yeah. No. Harassing him for it. <laughs> so anyways, listen follow to Jimmy. Follow listen to Jimmy these Chan. losers. They'll tell you all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Follow Jimmy Chin. He's a solid source of all kinds of inspiration. He's not great for political oh. advice, but he's great no. for everything else. <laughs> but if I you... Think about this. Huh? Oh, go ahead. Finish what you're going to say. But anyways, so he talked about planning all of the shots so that, like, no cameras, nothing was in, was in this oh, guy's yeah. eyeline because Jimmy being... And this relates to hunting because you all probably know better than me, but, like, I had to learn... like how to hunt basically while I'm doing this. And there's certain things that you as a camera guy might do that you shouldn't be doing around a hunter because it ruins their concentration or messes with them or whatever. And the same thing with Jimmy Chin being a very, very um, accomplished climber himself knew like how much focus and how much effort it took it would take for him to do this thing and how high the stakes were. And so when they were planning it, he was like, yeah, we made sure that the people on this shoot were so good. We would, none of them would have, we wouldn't have to worry about all of them. Uh, Alex wouldn't have to worry about any of them. And we made sure that, like there was not cameras in his eye line. We weren't getting anywhere close to him or anything that could distract or take away from his effort. And the amount of like planning and skill that it would take to do that is incredible. Oh yeah. They go through that in the film too. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's unbelievable the undertaking that they that they created. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely nerve wracking. Like that guy, Alex Honnold, like props to that guy, he will not live very long, much longer. There's no way. <laughs> like that guy's days are numbered. Yeah. Hundred percent. That's fine. Also not a good guy to listen to for political advice. <laughs> anyway, what were you saying? Yeah, so um, I didn't think about this until just now, or I probably would have led with this. But um, so don't really know how I ended up down this rabbit hole. But so I was like growing up, I was extremely fascinated by the Titanic. Mm, me and too. So love the Titanic. Actually, I know exactly how it the happened. The movie or the ship? Both. The whole story of it. I was mm. I was fascinated by okay, it. Okay, go ahead. So anyways, randomly the other day on TikTok, I see like a Titanic meme. And that was like just sparked this thing. And I was like, I want to go, like, watch something about the Titanic. So I ended up going down this rabbit hole of, like, all these Titanic, basically every Titanic documentary that was on Nat Geo and on Discovery that I could find. And then what it led me to was the movie, of course. So I, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Never seen it. Really? Doesn't surprise Surprises me. Surprises me for many reasons. I feel like <laughs> I feel like every man has seen Titanic. Yeah, for one reason and for one reason a only. a singular reason. Yes. Because <laughs> it was the biggest ship at the time, and it hit an iceberg and sank. No. 
<laughs> or Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet back when she was twenty. Worth looking at. I mean, not. That's fine. We'll just. <laughs> Anyways, we won't get into any more specifics about that. If you don't know, then you don't need to know. The reason that I brought that up is because I realized that it was uh, directed by James Cameron, who also directed another one of my favorite films, which was Avatar. Mm-hmm. And it made me kind of dig into some of the stuff that he did, and I watched some stuff of behind the scenes of them shooting it. And both of those films, in my opinion, were extremely ahead of their time for how they shot it and like what they shot. Because I didn't realize that Titanic was shot the same year that I was born, so 1997. That's when it was released. It was actually shot before that. So to see the quality of it and how they put it together, um, and like them like going the effort that they went into to build the set and like do the research and development that it took to to put that film together is like the only way you do something like that's with a big checkbook. Yep, real big checkbook. James Cameron has always been like that. Like he's always pushing the envelope. That's what he was doing with with Avatar. Like it took. However, I, I'm pretty sure that's like the next thing he did after Titanic, wasn't it? And it took him freaking forever. Yeah, it took him like almost 10 years. Because they had to literally develop the technology from scratch to do that. Well, that's the same and way now he's, start work, his... he's working on something else that's crazy right well, now. Same, same way they did Star Wars. Part. I mean, that's how Star Wars started. Mm-hmm. It, Star Wars wasn't a movie as much as it was a technology company on how to create the special effects. Yeah. Yep. You know? So it was just really, really cool to like, the pre-production of it is what was like really intense to me because I'm like, my videos have a max of like two hours of pre-production. <laughs> well, sit and, down, kind of like look and, at well, other videos. And that I some make. some videos don't need any more than two hours. But like Blue Stem, I bet combined we did almost a week or two weeks of of pre-production. We shot it in seven days, but we yeah. took two weeks to to plan it. Yeah. But if we wouldn't have planned it, it would have taken way longer than seven days to shoot it. it have been and I good. still don't think it would have been as good. But here's the here's my question. So you don't like the Titanic? You don't like the movie? That's okay. It is pretty long. So here's my question. Huh. I don't know. I might, I might not have should ask this. Because you said that 1917 was so predictable. What do you think is going to happen in this new Top Gun film? <laughs> it doesn't count. It's Top Gun. Well, see, the problem is... Do you think Tom Cruise lives through Top Gun? Of course. Yeah. Okay. What do you you don't think so? I don't know. Look, the thing I'm not a Top Gun aficionado, so I don't know. The thing is, they can't kill Maverick because they can't absolutely they can. kill. They can. They can kill mm-hmm. anybody. In a no, I feel like it they goes against goose. the whole ethos of the series. That's why if they you're can gonna, do it. If you're killing a, if you're gonna completely end Top Gun to where there's never gonna be another, which we can't without Tom Cruise because he's 900 years old. He can retire. They'll can, retire him. Okay. He'll actually retire, or he'll, or he. I almost think what's going to happen is... Then Miles Teller is going to be the new Top Gun? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Exactly. That's, That's what I'm saying. There's only one Top Gun. First of all... Goose is dead. He, what if he comes back? No. What if he comes back? <laughs> <laughs> that would be insane. <laughs> <laughs> the Top Gun multiverse. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that it's probably more likely that Maverick like ends up because in the first movie, you witness the progression of Maverick from like a big braggadocious, I can do anything I want by myself, I don't care about anybody else, into... $2 word, a, go ahead. Hmm? Braggadocious, but go ahead. Oh, yeah. But can't say certificate. <laughs> certificate. Okay, you said it correctly that time. No, but it, 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 certificate wasn't the word, it was certification. Oh, certification. Yeah. certification. And now Sorry. you can see when you say 
certificate. Certification. Why I would say certification instead of certification. No, we can't. Go ahead. Whatever. (laughs) Into a team player who has lost some of his selfishness and is like kind of playing by the rules, right? So I feel like that continues to an extent. I think that somehow they're going to make a – they're going to have to make a conflict for him. And I think the conflict from the trailers is that he wants to fly. He doesn't want to be a paper pusher. He wants to fly because they've said, like, we can't promote you anymore, this, that, and the other, and all the trailers. And he's still flying, and he's literally gotten to the point where it's like he has done the most flying you can do and has probably become one of the most decorated pilots in the Navy. And he's going to have to pass his torch onto somebody else, a younger pilot, and, like, resign himself to the fact, like, that he, his time has come to get out of the cockpit and he's got to be a, like, grown-up now. He can't go play play with planes anymore. He's got to be an officer. He's got to be part of the leadership. And I think that's his character development. And I don't think you can't kill him. What's killing him going to do? You send in the Russians... And he fights the Russians to the but, death, and it but ends. You've seen, but, but you've it, seen it, Top Gun, and there's no way they would do that because it's not even close. Have to... Have you seen Game of Thrones? But that's an entirely different thing. No, it's not. Top they, Gun, top, Game of Thrones taught people that you can kill anybody at any time and make a better story. But I don't. What? What? Okay. What's your story? They kill Tom Cruise. What is it? I don't think they kill him. <laughs> they let it. They let him go to the end, and he gets in a firefight. Uh, you know, in a dog fight at the very end of the film, and you don't know whether he lives or dies. Mm. To make a third one? No, to just nobody knows. That would be horrific. <laughs> I'm saying and I would hate that. There would be more. I, that, there is nothing in this world season, that I hate more. Season eight of Game of Thrones, buddy. Welcome than, to my world. Than unresolved cliffhangers. <laughs> don't do that. I'm I hate just saying it. it's very I, possible. And all the movies that I like have them too. Yep. Really? Like yeah. Why do you like them? I don't know. All three movies you've seen, what, what are they? I'm just saying that a lot of movies that I really enjoy that have like the Clay, suspense. you could be a part of this conversation if you've ever seen anything. Never seen The Top suspense Gun. and <laughs> the, the like kind of the mentally thrilling movies always like leave you in this gray area. And I immediately always have to go and Google it and be like, what are the theories? Because I need to know something. <laughs> I need to know something because I hate that. I hate the unresolved plot points and things of that nature. It's terrible to me. Yeah. Huh. But they're not – I don't think that they killed Top Gun. I don't – I, I don't al- think they do either. I also but. I also hope that this doesn't turn into, like, a Marvel Universe. Like, that would be the worst thing ever because it turns I like know – like a Fast and the Furious franchise of Top Gun. I'm already nervous. They, that can't, the, they can't afford to do it. I'm already nervous that – it's not going to be as good, and it's just going to be at like a low-quality ripoff. It I'm, can't be a low-quality ripoff. They spent way too much money on I'm it. I'm hoping. Well, yeah, you'd think that. But How much was the budget so far? Like a billion know. dollars or something stupid? A lot. A but lot. I'd like to just get paid what they paid in fuel for the jets. <laughs> and I'd be sitting pretty. All I know is I'm still a little nervous for it. I really hope that they don't ruin the... Top Gun right now, if you didn't make a Top Gun 2, is perfect legacy. It's fine. I don't need a Top Gun 2. I'm perfectly happy with a singular Top Gun 
and everything that happens in there. Oh, man. So, okay, what's your second favorite movie? We obviously know Top Gun's your favorite. What's your second favorite movie? I told you I have different categories of movies. Oh, God. There's, there's, you have a template for that? or um, No, but I do have a notes on my phone and also a sticky note because I want posters in my office. So, Top Gun sits alongside. Okay, so if you had to put posters in your office, what are you putting posters of? That's probably a better answer. Top Gun. Well, duh, I've already made you a Top Gun poster, so go ahead. Okay. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite and The Sandlot. Sandlot's a great movie. The Sandlot because it's a timeless classic. I love The Sandlot. I watched it repeatedly growing up, and I really identified with the great Hambino because he's a chubby ginger, me too. Uh, Played catcher, me too. Last name is Porter. Me too. Also, he's kind of a smartass. Me too. He really likes snacks. Me too. Okay? He's literally my spirit animal. And then I like Napoleon Dynamite for the absurd humor. You guys know know I'm weird. You know I'm absurd. I couldn't get into Napoleon Dynamite. And I love the absurdity of Napoleon Dynamite. So those are the only three? And honestly, I feel like you could take... You can take... Things away from all of those movies, if you wanted to. Take take what away from? Yeah, the life that you've spent watching it. I think The Sandlot is great just because you can take away, like, storytelling and how, like, it's a pretty easy story to tell. It's a very simple story, but... Those like, are the best ones, though, are the simple ones. Yeah, and all, like, you fall in love with the characters, you mm-hmm. love the story, and you can watch, like, I would watch that on TV anytime. If that comes on, I'm watching it. Same thing with Top Gun. I would watch it anytime. Oh, same thing Dynamite. With- Watch it every time. Well, same thing with me. Like when I cannot find anything to watch, I start newsroom over again. Mm-hmm. I watched the the series for me is Psych. Have you? Yeah, I watched Psych and it was okay. It yeah. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't if if you're like, hey, Ryer, what show should I watch? I wouldn't recommend Psych to you have, because you kind of have to be weird like me to enjoy Psych because it's that odd. It is like weird it, humor. It is, and it's got some funny parts, but it just. Eh. Have you seen Hot Rod? Yeah, I feel like I love Hot Rod. Okay, I've never seen Hot Rod. I've never even heard of Hot Rod. Cinematic masterpiece. Oh, God. (laughs) It's not, but it's so funny. (laughs) It's, I feel like there's almost like two genres of comedy that happened at the same time. And you've got like the Talladega Nights comedy, and then you've got like Hot Rod comedy. And they're almost kind of the same, but like a little different. Because Talladega Nights is just... Like adult humor. Like adult humor. And then you've got Hot Rod, which is... Dude, like I this awkward, like, weird kind of humor. I put it with Napoleon Dynamite. Hot Rod? Yeah. Yeah, it's the same kind of genre of humor. So it's basically like, and it's almost it's like... Andy Samberg. I don't know yeah. if you... Oh, I know who Andy Samberg is. So it's kind Brooklyn of that awkward... Nine-Nine. Lonely Island Band. <laughs> Brooklyn Nine-Nine is hilarious. I love I think Brooklyn you've never Nine-Nine. seen Hot Rod? Never even heard of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm so surprised by this. Where's it, where, did it, where, is it, where was it at? What do you mean, where was it at? Wait, where did it air? It's as a movie. <laughs> oh, it's a movie. Oh. You've never... S- yeah, that's great. You, have you ever seen... What's the one about the... Um, what's the other one? Oh, it's not Hot Rod. Is it... Is it Hot... No. McLovin. Oh, Super Super Bad. Super Bad. Yeah, it's I've like seen, the same kind of movie. It's it's I've very... I would say Bad. they're pretty similar in Super style. Bad is extremely, like, graphic, though. Yeah. Hot Rod has some, like, cheesy, like... Has some like it's mostly just cheesy, awkward. dirty humor, but it's mostly awkward. We're talking about cinematography and like character <laughs> development. And we're talking about stupid comedies. Like, Austin well, why Powers. is this, is there oh, Austin Powers? Is do good. you think 
Do you what? think there's a place? I love Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> See, I haven't seen that. Spain, really did you go? You haven't seen Austin Powers? No. Yeah, I can't believe you have seen Austin Powers. Well, I've seen Caddyshack. They well, you only go. watch comedies. Why don't you watch anything else? What's the deal? See? I think you do it just to piss us off. Can we go off? back to talking about Ryder? God. <laughs> You can, he can't hang. You can you can oh, give me crap yes. all day. Devin, gets, Devin I have seen Ace Bound and Down. Danny McBride is the man. Ace Bound and Down is hilarious. What's that one? Ace Bound and Down. It's about a. <laughs> it's about Danny McBride about how he's a washed up baseball player who's playing in like the Mexican leagues. And it is freaking great. Really, it's adult humor for sure. You're a baseball guy, right? Yeah, was. What'd you think about Moneyball? Loved it. I like Moneyball a lot. Yeah. Because it was more about baseball, and it was more or less about baseball, and more yeah. about how baseball is governed. Best baseball movie, go your favorite baseball movie, The Sandlot. If you say anything else, you're wrong. It's not The Sandlot. No, um, it is not The Sandlot. Probably, probably Major League. Mm, Major League money, or Moneyball. No, to me, it's uh, for the love of the game. But the that's games. the second. That's the second best movie. There's only one. Best baseball movie of all time. Benchwarmers? No. <laughs> Bull Durham. Okay, yeah. One. Bull Durham. Yeah. Bull Durham's the greatest the baseball movie ever yeah, made. It is better than Major League. The greatest baseball game movie ever made. What about greatest sports movie? You know what I watched the other day again that I really liked? I wouldn't put this as the best sports movie, but it's also another Kevin Costner. It's Draft Day. Have you ever seen Draft Day? Mm-hmm. So it's Kevin Costner's the GM of the Cleveland Browns, and it's essentially all takes place in one day. And it's draft day, and it's like how they, how he takes his role as the executive about drafting players and what he gets and how he moves the chess pieces around to get the best players. Hmm. Really good. I've seen it. Really so freaking good. It all takes place in one day. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I imagine there's a bunch of like flashbacks and jumping around and like. Not really. Mm-mm. Just, Not really at all. Yeah. Jump back and forth between characters a lot. So um, parallel timelines. They they jump to other characters, but the only time they jump to other characters is when he's on the phone with them. It's it's centered around Kevin Costner's character the whole time. Interesting. It's, it's almost really like a good. day in the life movie. The best in. the best sports movie of all time, in my opinion, has got to be Blindside. No. We are Marshall. <laughs> no. Hmm. Safety. Mm-mm. Silver Linings playing. No, it's not a sports movie. Everybody else give theirs. I really got to think about this. Smokey and the Bandit. That's not a sports movie. Um, oh, gosh. To me, it's... Um, no matter what any of us say, it's going to be wrong if it's not no, the same as it's Caleb. Not the so same, I'm not, not even tr- saying anything. It's not true. Um, you know what this is? This is like when I'm with my, my wife and I'm like, what do you want to eat? She's like, I don't know. Okay, McDonald's? No. No. Whataburger? No. no. Mexican food? No. no. To me, <sighs> it's tough. There's a lot of good ones. It's Remember the Titans. Mm. It's a good one. Very good. Very good. To me, it's Remember the Titans for sure. If you have to, if you have to put, is that or? Yeah, I think it's Remember the Titans. What do you got? Remember the Titans or We Are Marshall? I like We Are Marshall. I haven't seen We Are Marshall in a long time. It's I, mean, I know it's good, but it or Rudy. Rudy's a really good sports movie too. My my top two are either Rudy or Invincible. Invincible? Which one? Remind In, me, Invincible. I'm thinking. Pretty sure I've seen it. Invincible is um, 
the one where the guy goes and and tries out and walks onto the Eagles. Oh yeah, yeah. That one's oh, no, Caddyshack's up there. You can walk on at Pro Ball. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can. You can go try out. Go try out. I think I think the plot of it, so it's been a while since I've watched it, but it's Mark Wahlberg. Of course, he's playing the same character he usually does. I think is Mark Wahlberg's um, like three feet tall. How could he play in the NFL? So it's a 2006 sports drama, obviously, based on the true story of Vince Papali, who played for the Philadelphia Eagles from 1976 to 1978. Oh, you're an Eagles fan, too. With so. the help of his coach, uh, Dick Vermeil, the film was released. Um, basically, he goes and tries to I, – I believe, like, they need players, and so they hold this open tryouts, and he's like – he he's been playing at a night league and just mm-hmm. destroying everybody, and he keeps holding on to this dream like he wants to walk onto the Eagles. Mm-hmm. It's all he's ever wanted to do, and people are like, man, you got to let it go. You got to get a real job. You got to quit doing this. Got to quit doing that. And he walks on, and finally, like, is given a chance. Yeah. And that's I think it's crazy when you think about sports movies. Like, they're they almost have very similar stories to each other. Like, all of the movies that we all listed as the greatest sports movies of all time, in our opinion, like, if you really just boil them down, they have a very similar message, a very similar story, but, like, you can watch those again and again and again and oh, again. Oh, yeah, again. 100%. And you can watch this one and that one and that one and that one, and you you never feel like, oh, man, it's that movie again. Like, every single time you watch it, you feel that same emotion. Which is crazy. Well, yeah, well, like we said, the simple, the use of the simplest stories the best ones. For sure. Um, That's all I got. Got anything else? Greatest comedy of all time. Oh, that's, dude, that's really Dante's hard. Inferno. The Divine Comedy. Never mind. <laughs> I, <laughs> you could tough. tell who was nerds, because I understood <laughs> what you were saying. That's a high-level nerd joke. It's okay. <laughs> if you ever read through the Divine Comedy, it's legit, like crazy. Anyways, oh, you have to read it. Yeah, it's I don't know. Is no there chance. a no, there chance. Like no a, chance? I'm sure there's. Play. Some How many books have you read? Start like cover to cover zero. Yes. Okay, that's all. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Yeah, Dante's Inferno is a what do they call it? An epic poem. It's nope. one of the first yep. epics. Yeah. And nope. it was written by um it's Homer, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I've read Dante's oh, no, no, no. Inferno. It was written by like college. Dante. Some some this was written by the guy, I think if I'm this is all the way back to freshman year of high school. But yeah, I'm having to like trade yeah. some gears here. <laughs> I'm really like going for it. But I think Homer's epics were based on the format that this guy laid down. And it's old, 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 old. But basically it's about this guy's journey into hell. Yeah. And so it's all about like the different levels, the different hell. levels of hell. Yeah, I remember. All this. It's got a lot. It's the second most referenced piece of literature behind the Bible. Yeah. And I it's, it's, it's like name. this thick. It's super dense and hard to get through. But like if the joke is now that we've beat it to crap, it is labeled a comedy the same way that like, a, a a lot of Greek plays and stuff like that. They're called comedies, and we would look at it and go, "Oh, that, so, well, we're not. That's not funny." But comedy had a completely different meaning, and has a completely different meaning in that yeah. context. And like, oh, in the Divine Comedy, it's a series of three, and they're all like that that long. The Dante's Inferno, or the Inferno, is actually the name of it. Is the first one, and it's the most famous one. And then I can't even the Purgatorio, and then the Paradiso. 
Um, so it's like, yeah, anyways. Yeah, haven't read those. It's really, really crazy. Hold on. I'm trying to find the definition of comedy. Comedy I could watch over and over again is probably... So according to this, which is just talking about Greek drama, right? The first comedies were mainly satirical and mocked men in power for their vanity and foolishness. The first master of comedy was the playwright Aristophanes. Much later, Menander wrote comedies about ordinary people and made his plays more like sitcoms. (laughs) going through the live stream so funny. (laughs) And a tragedy, which is like if most of us would look at a lot of what they call comedies, be like, oh, that seems like it would be labeled a tragedy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A tragedy dealt with the big themes of love, loss, Love, loss, pride, and the abuse of power and the fraught relationship between men and gods. Which is basically like a drama. Typically, now. the main protagonist of a tragedy commits some terrible crime without realizing wow, how foolish really he is. We really don't been. want to rabbit hole with a simple then question. He slowly realizes. Somebody it. who watches this podcast and learn how to shoot deer film is like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and that's y'all's fault for bringing me on here. <laughs> so, what? What is the actual like funny comedy number one of for all me? time? Yeah. Oh God, I don't like I don't like comedies. No, I can't stand them. Lies. No, I, I promise. If what? I had, to, if I had to watch one, I oh gosh. Hold hold on a minute. You can't just make a statement like that. How can you, you not just like act a like comedy? You didn't just say what you just said. Listen, <laughs> listen. If I've got an hour or like two hours to watch something, I would ten times rather watch something that's going to make me like. Like, it's going to hit me hard in the feels. Well, like, I would too, but I still love like, a comedy. Okay, I've, I'll, I'll tell you this. I've seen, okay, so there's, I guess these will be sitcoms. I've seen The Office all the way through several times, and then How I Met Your Mother. I've seen those. I've seen those all the way through. But I don't, I don't really, like, care for comedy movies or. All right, moving on. <laughs> I know that's the only thing Clay's seen, so what's your favorite? There's way too many. The, uh, that's literally the only thing Clay will watch. He will, if it hits him in the feels, like, he's like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> Feelings, what are these? The movie was terrible. It made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> there's, well, I don't know, because there's different types of comedy. There's like, oh, God, here you know, you're doing what Ryer does. I'm not going to go into it. I'm not going to die Well, there's this kind, and I'm then there's this kind. I'm not going to dissect them. And then there's, I mean, well, don't steal my brand. There's, <laughs> I, I'm not as organized as you. I don't have a template for it, so I can't just like roll them off. Nobody else knows. There's like, there's the Talladega Knights. There's the Talladega Knights or Stepbrother type stuff. And then you've got the Austin Powers, Joe if you Dirt. If you were locked in a prison cell and you could only have one movie, what is it? Which could happen, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the Austin Powers series of movies. Uh, one I movie. Don't know. Yeah, that's you freaking cheater. <laughs> Um, one. What have you seen? One? Pick you seen one of one? them. Gold member. I was about to say, it's got to be gold member, dude. <laughs> I freaking love that movie. Oh, gosh. It's Austin so Powers, Faja. <laughs> Father. Father. You freaking touch me. <laughs> Caleb, yours? Oh, probably Robin Hood Men in Tights. Oh, gosh. Yes. Nobody has ever seen that. Oh, my God. Do you know I how many times I've referenced that? And people have never seen it. <laughs> Did you say A Blinken or A Blinken? <laughs> have you God, seen the, the opening to that movie? Have you seen, oh, the, Key and, have you seen the Key and Peele that they did to that? No. Oh, I'll have to find that. Send no. You link. God hilarious. dang. They you call me hey. Little John, but don't be fooled. I'm actually quite large. <laughs> <laughs> help, help. I can't swim. <laughs> God, that's a good one, man. Or just all the song breakouts. Oh, do you my know gosh. another? So you know another excellent series of movies that's like Austin Powers that I just love. 
is freaking uh, Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Holy crap. They're good, man. <laughs> I was watching those what? the other day. Dude, they're Jim, so I wanna good. I beat Any... my head into a wall. And... Virtually. You found Captain Rinky. It's <laughs> 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 the stupidest thing I've ever <laughs> But that's why it's so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. The face. Ace, oh, Vin- the face was Ace Ventura, man, is the freaking man. That's a good what movie. I just can't stand him. Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Car- Jim Carrey's ability to act and be funny physically yeah. is unrivaled by n- only one other actor, and that would be Robin Williams. Mm. Those so, two individuals' so ability to be a act two-hour kinetically so is I, insane. Do you know, in my opinion, Robin Williams was the most underrated actor to ever walk this earth? 100%. He was incredible. His ability to literally so play anybody. I watched him again in Dead Poet Society oh the other gosh. day. Yes. Dude, he's so freaking good. And then, um, good morning, Vietnam. He's good. But uh, the movie he shines the most in, I, what was it? I watched it the other day. Not Flubber. Meet the Flockers? No, not Flubber. I love Flubber. Not, no. But Flubber um, is very good. No, Flubber was not good. <laughs> Flubber, Flubber doesn't come into the conversation. Um, Meet the Flockers? He was, he was, I mean, he was named Peter Pan. He was awesome in Peter Pan. Um, what was the movie that what he was, was it in? about? Um, was Dead it the Paul, math one? Dead Sport Society, no. Googling and Oh, fr- Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. Oh, that's the math one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said, I didn't think, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, math. didn't compute that. Yeah, Goodwill Hunting. He is so freaking good in that movie. He is on, like, <clears throat> whenever. He's on another level. Whenever, like, a celebrity dies, usually I'm like, oh, man, that's sad. When Robin Williams died, I was genuinely, like, a sad for a day. Yeah. I was like. Holy crap! We're never going to get any more Robin Williams masterpieces. And not only was he an incredible actor in either comedies or dramas, amazing comedian. His stand-up comedy is incredible. Incredible, and like that he was an absolute gift. And so vulgar, yeah, it's insane, dude. His the like best you would stand- think. Oh, I'm going to go look up Robin Williams. This be some nice little children comedy. No, 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 no. it's not. He best- had an entire sketch on genitalia. Yeah. The best best sketch he did was on how they invented golf. That's my favorite. <laughs> if for no other reason than how he says the F word that entire yes. time. Yes, 100%. That's such a great. Robin Williams, to me, is top shelf acting just gold. If um, you haven't watched any of Robin Williams stuff, you have to. Yeah. You have to. For Mrs. Doubtfire? Mm-hmm. I mean. 110 credits. Is what he's got on really? IMDb. Um, How many Emmys does he have? He was in Happy Feet. Yeah, he uh, was the he was the SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah, Night at the Museum. Ba- yeah, that's a slept-on movie. Night at the Museum. I really, really enjoy those. Whatever you guys that Ben Stiller. <laughs> August, <laughs> August Rush. August Rush. Did you guys see that movie? No. You remember that one? No. That was a really good one. It's a musical movie. Um, House of D. Don't know what it is, but that's a funny name for a movie. <laughs> uh, let's see. Tenacious D. Tenacious oh, D. School Black. of Rock. Patch Jack Adams. Black. Problem is, Jack Black can only play Jack Black. That's yeah. See, that's my thing. There's certain actors out there. I love Jack Black, 
but you couldn't put Jack Black in a Robin Williams style. Like, you couldn't do what Robin Williams does. Vince Vaughn's another one like that, Hook. too. Yeah. So, I saw a thing on TikTok the other day. Vince Vaughn is in a serious drama called uh, Brawl on in Brawl in Precinct 99 or something. Apparently, he's really good in it, and I want to watch it just because of that. He plays a serious role. It's he's a like movie? a Yeah, he's like a bald-headed, like, enforcer guy. Yeah, I want to see it. I you think know it's what? Brawl on something 99. I'll tell you a comedy. There is one comedy that I actually adore. What is that? Mr. Deeds with Adam Sandler. Mm. It's, I mean, it's solid. It's not. I, mean, I don't it's, know if I've seen that one. Well, you haven't seen Mr. Deeds? It's more know. of a nostalgic thing because yeah, it's a, I've watched it ever since Like I was. This is the 25th anniversary of Happy Gilmore, if anyone cares. Dang. Well, that's that is. long ago? Happy Gilmore is a great one. It is. Adam Sandler, except for Uncut Gems, was great. Hated Uncut Gems. Which one was that? And I think what that's un- the new drama he did. It was terrible. The thing that I did like about Uncut Gems is, again, I think, like you said, with a lot of these actors, they develop a brand and they get uh, pigeonholed into this brand. I think, like, he did a really good job in that movie. Yeah. And I think that I hope that for him it lets him break out of the Adam Sandler comedy. I don't role. That's why I want to watch Adam Sandler. I will go to the movie theater to watch Animal Sandler be Adam Sandler. Assuming it's going to be fu- a yeah. comedy, yeah. yeah. Which that's kind of like Vince Vaughn. Like, yeah. I assume Vince Vaughn's going to be the guy that Vince Vaughn is in or, all the movies. Or Will Ferrell. See, yeah, but at Will a certain Ferrell, point, yeah. it becomes... Man. It, it's just like the same thing over and over again. And I like to see a little bit of variety. Jim Carrey, he tried he tried and failed miserably, in my opinion. I just didn't like him in uh, whatever that whatever that movie, that crazy, like, mind-bending movie he did. Um just recently? Something, something Spotless Mind or whatever it was. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's not very good. Um, I never got to say my favorite comedy, guys. What's your favorite? Oh, sorry. God bless. Blazing sorry. Saddles. Yeah. You can't say that nowadays, though. This is my shooting name. <laughs> <laughs> I think Blazing Saddles is funny because, and and I would label it my favorite comedy because of its ability to make as many jokes as it did. And they're all like under there. There's a few that like just they just punch you right in the face with the joke. Yeah. But there's a lot of jokes that are just like under the surface, and they're just really subtle, and it's hilarious. Yeah. And I think it's a fantastic movie. Yeah. There's a. Uh, yeah, for sure. Also, Gene Wilder is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. All right, I think that's all we got. We've been doing this for an hour and a half. We're wrapping up already. We're wrapping up. Bro, Jocko goes for like five hours. Yeah, well, we're not Jocko. We actually have stuff, other stuff to do, which I'm sure he does too. But, oof. All right. Better cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> you better yeah, not let Jocko get a hold of that. Off. Jocko, bring it, Jocko. Come to the better office. Stuff to do. Don't please, don't please don't. Please don't. I don't All want right. any part of that. Peace.